0: Well, good morning again. I'd like to welcome all the guests in the room today. Glad that you are with us, and uh, thankful that you've chosen to worship with us on this first Sunday of the new year. Also, I'd like to th- welcome all those who w- who are watching this online or will watch this online. I know a lot of a lot of people will check us out online before uh, they worship with us in person. So I look forward to meeting you hopefully in the Sundays ahead. I want to thank you for your immense amount of grace. Um, For us in this season as we continue to try to navigate gathering the church and uh, giving every opportunity we can for people to hear Jesus while in the middle of a strange season. And uh, we're hopeful for a reprieve soon. We're praying for that. We also know there is uh, an inherent risk of you coming here and worshiping Jesus. And so I want to reiterate how uh, just what we said all along, the safest place to worship is online. And uh, so thanks for coming to gather in person. It is a new year. I'm thankful for a new year. Uh, I'm sure across the room is already people who've already broken your New Year's resolution. Uh, maybe you started off like with a great diet plan, but then like yesterday was Saturday, and you're like, "Well, it's the weekend," you know, and uh, you already snacked some. Um, you know, I, I said uh, I'm going to give up Sprite. I love Sprite, so I'm going to give up Sprite. And I picked up Diet Coke, and so uh, I used to have Diet Coke around. I feel really good about going to the no sugar route. I feel like that's healthier for me. Uh, I, I was reading some some memes about New Year's resolutions, and here's a few. I, I don't. One said I don't call them New Year's resolutions. I prefer the term casual promises to myself that I'm no, under no obligation to fulfill. One said, my New Year's resolution is to stop hanging out with people who ask me about my New Year's re- resolutions. And then uh, one more said, my New Year's resolution is to stop lying to myself about making life ch- lifestyle changes. That's pretty honest. You know, we, we joke about making lifestyle changes uh, for New Year's resolutions from one year to the next. Uh, you know, when we make these sort of changes that have to do with our exercise, our eating habits, a lot of these things are just behavior modification things that we could really do if we were intentional but but there are other issues there are other things that we wish we could change about ourselves from year to the next uh, that aren't behavior modification issues there are deeper issues heart issues sinful issues that that can't just be tweaked with some sort of behavior changes I like, there's are some, some some in this room who may desire that 2021 would, um, that you'd have less anxiety this year. Uh, but yet you're day three in and you're already feeling anxiety. Or you're sitting there right now and you feel anxious. There's some who, who want to leave behind worry this year or leave behind fear this year. Others, others of you may um, desire to, Leave behind a sin issue. There's a deep sin issue in your life that you're, that you're going, you know what, it's New Year. This is the year that I'm going to overcome it. Maybe it's sexual sin, lust. Maybe it's alcoholism. Maybe it's some other sin that you struggle with. Each one of us, in our own way, deep down, is kind of looking for freedom from something. Or you might say peace. Peace on the inside, peace from the anxiety, peace from the sin, peace from this or that, peace for my own weariness. All of us deep down long for peace. A quick search on how to find peace will quickly turn up article upon article upon article. Um, four keys to inner peace, five simple ways to cultivate inner peace, 15 things you can do right now to bring inner peace. You know, as, as we begin this year, it's important for us to remind ourselves where to find true, lasting, eternal peace. That peace can't be found in any sort of behavior changes or in any sort of website article. It can only be found in the Lord. Turn with me to Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3 is where we're going to spend the next three weeks in a series I'm calling Better Than better than, wise living for tempted people. Wise living for tempted people. I want us to see how God gives eternal peace to those who trust Him. Now, now this is a good father writing to his son in Proverbs chapter 3. He's writing to his son, giving him wisdom and, and counsel. This this is written for our benefit today. It's about us living in a good covenant relationship with our Father God. Now, Marcy and I got married uh, 15 and a half years ago. We just celebrated that back in July. When we got married, we covenanted together that it was going to be her and I. That I was going to love Marcy and she was going to love me, that I'm only going to live with Marcy and she's only going to live with me. Despite our sin issues, despite our background, despite our our temperaments, we love each other and it's just us and there's no room for anyone else. This is a, a covenant that we've entered into. Now God's people Israel shared a similar covenant with God. They entered into a covenant with God at Sinai in the Exodus. This covenant was a marriage-like covenant that involved commitments on behalf of each party. Each party upheld their end of the bargain. This is the context in which Proverbs was written. And in Proverbs 3, we're going to read the first six verses. The odd verses give the obligation of the human partners, and the even verses give the obligation of the divine partner. The wise counsel of the father, in this case is Solomon writing to David, is followed by an incentive, a motivation. When I want my yard mowed, I tell my kids, I will pay you if you will mow the yard. It's a motivation. It's an incentive for mowing. This is what Proverbs 3 says, verses one through six. Read it with me. Solomon writes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. If you don't have a Bible, you need a Bible. If you're visiting here, you need a Bible, you let us know. We'll get you a Bible. Bibles are important. We open them. We carry them in. We read from them. Here's what it says. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace, they will add to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. So, you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will make straight your paths. From Proverbs 3 1 through 6, I want us to see this truth today that God gives eternal peace to those who fully trust Him. Eternal peace. Look at me in verse 1 and 2 again. He says, My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments for length of days and years of life and peace. They will add to you. First thing I want to pull out from this text is this truth. Life and peace belong to those who keep the Father's commandments. Life and peace belong to those who keep the Father's commandments. He says, let your heart keep. That word keep means to guard, to maintain. There is a keeping, a guarding, a maintaining of the truth, the commands of the Father. That the Father's commands are more important than the Son's thinking. That the the way of the Father is there to give the Son a, um, a careful way of living. If you listen to this, then you will prevent this let your heart keep notice it says the word heart there this is the first time the father talks about the heart we'll talk more about the heart but he says let your heart keep my commandments there has to be a submission of the son to say i have life i want to live life and the father says don't live according to your ways you need to keep my commandments Let your heart keep my commandments. Rebellion is a word that we know too often. Children rebel, Christians rebel, non-Christians rebel. Rebellion is saying, I want it my way. The father says, don't rebel, son. So there has to be this willing submission on behalf of the son. The son has to give up his way of thinking and his way of living to submit to this life under his dad's commands, under his father's commands. Commands. Now, we bring this home to us today. We recognize that all of us are born sinners, born with this selfishness in our hearts, born with hearts bent on ourselves, our way of thinking, our way of living, our way of doing things, often becoming set in our ways, becoming controlling of our lives and controlling of our destinations and quite honestly, comfortable with the sin that we allow into our lives. But the father says to keep his commandments, to keep his law, to keep his word over ours. What's the result of that? What's the result of those who submit their lives and their way of thinking to God's command and God's word? He says in verse 2, for length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. So God gives peace to those who keep his commands. God gives peace to those who submit to him and don't rebel. God gives peace to those who honor him and follow him. That word peace is shalom. Beautiful word, peace. This may sound prosperity-ish to you. Well, While the Proverbs aren't magic formulas or prosperity rules, they do hold promise and blessing for those who keep them. For instance, uh, we have six kids. Talk talk about that often. Our home, uh, we have house rules. And uh, I set the rules. Marcy and I uphold the rules. And so our kids know, like, if you obey the rules in our home, it will go well for you for length of days and years of life. And peace you shall have. But if you disobey the rules then pain and turmoil will plague you until you make things right. This is the point, is there are real things in life. If we would listen to God's ways and listen to God's word and align our lives unto it, then we would be able to walk securely. But if we rebel, there are all sorts of issues and sin that we find ourselves in. We we all have broken God's command, and we've all felt the effects of brokenness in our lives. All kinds of sin can ruin our life, can ruin relationships, and some sins can even end your life. We all know people, we watch them spiral out of control and train wreck their life because of sin, because of rebellion. Because they just wouldn't listen, because they wanted it their way good father says, let your heart keep my commands. In so doing, you'll gain life. That's the promise that will come for all those who know Christ, because we sit as those who can't fully keep the law. The point of the law was to show us we can't really keep it. The point of the law was to point us to the one who could fully keep it we sit as those who understand that we are not the covenant keepers, but Jesus was the full, the one who kept the covenant perfectly. He came and lived the perfect life. He died the death for our covenant breaking, for our sins. And he died and rose to life. And now he, all those who trust in him with their life, he gives the right to become children of God. He saves them and, and the blood of Christ covers all of our sins. So when God looks at us, he looks at us through the perfect obedience of the one who kept the law. And we sit as those who now live at peace and have life because Jesus fully kept the law for us. This is the good news. God doesn't accept us because of our covenant keeping, but because of the one who perfectly kept it, Jesus. Second, favor and a good witness belong to those who walk in God's love. Favor and a good witness belong to those who walk in God's love. I love these verses. It says, verse three, let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart, so you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Steadfast love and faithfulness. Those two words are words that describe God. Exodus 34 6 says that God is the God of steadfast love and faithfulness. It's not just a characteristic of God, it's not just a description. These are words that define him. It's it's who he is. God is a God of love and steadfast love. He's He's faithful to his children, to his people. He will never forsake us. So maybe you're someone who says, well, God is some sort of like mean, angry, authoritarian. You know, God is not this or God is not that. Listen, God is a God of love, steadfast love and faithfulness. Do you know him to be this in your life? Do you belong to this God? He won't forsake his people. Not only do these words kind of give us a picture of who he is, these words should also define his people. They should be words that define those who have experienced this love of God. They should mark His people. Let me ask you: Do people know you to be one who is steadfastly loving, committed to them no matter what, faithful in your friendship? Think about your spouse. Your spouse to know you to be steadfastly devoted to them. Your children know no matter what happens in their life, that you're a good father, you're a good mother, and no matter how far they run from Jesus, you're always right there if they turn around. I don't care what kind of sin it is. It might be whatever sin you think is the grossest sin around. Do they know that if if God so worked in their hearts that they would turn around, you'd be standing right there because you've kept them in your life because you love them? Do your friendships know this? Do your neighbors know this about you? That you are a... Great neighbor, a good friend, a good spouse? Is faithful a word that defines your walk with God? Does this define your trustworthiness in your marriage? Solomon says, Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. There's more heart talk here. We're we're finding more instances of the heart. And it's really important that we understand this because the first two verses deal with our obedience to God's law and how walking in God's word proves our relationship with the good father and these next two verses three and four describe these characteristics of God they define God's love in us and how God's love in us proves our relationship with him now it's we come to this this issue of the heart again and these are not behavior modification Issues. This is not about behavior change. This is about heart transformation. It's about the heart. This is really where I want to press us for a moment. To keep the law, to love and to know God, there has to be heart transformation. That word, theologians call this word regeneration. And regeneration is this. The act whereby God brings Christians to to new life, or we call it to be born again from a previous state of separation from God and the subjection to the decay of death. God works to take dying, wicked sinners who are hell-bent on themselves, rebelling from God's commands. He loves them and shows them the love he's given them in Christ, and he convicts them And he saves them and he puts new hearts in them and gives them new life and causes them to be born again. It's a response of their heart in faith that they're able to claim this and be made new people. This is Ephesians 2, four through five. But God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses or dead in our sin, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. What good news this is. This is exactly what happens when a person turns from their sin and throws themselves on the mercy of God in Christ. When you come to God with all your sin and say, I have ruined my life. I'm living for myself. I repent and I believe God causes new life to come to you, puts a new heart in you and saves you and forgives you. This is why He says, bind them around your neck and write them on the tablet of your heart because in Jeremiah 31, he's gonna say this, for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, declares the Lord, I will put my law within them and I will write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. He's saying, there's a a time coming, a time coming when I'm gonna put my law in their heart. They can't put it in their hearts. I'm gonna put it there. And he sends Jesus to live the perfect life to die the death we deserve, to be buried, to raise to life. And Jesus comes and he pours out his spirit on all those who believe. And when you give your life to Christ, God puts his spirit in you and writes his law in your heart and causes us to be born again and calls us to live for him. You see, when we believe upon Jesus, he revives us and causes us to walk in his ways. Puts that desire in us. Now we're called to go with the Lord in our hearts, loving the way God loves, forgiving the way God loves, sharing the gospel with other people because we too heard the gospel and had the opportunity to be saved. This is how it goes forward. We share out of the overflow of our hearts for what God has done for us. And then, when you have God's spirit in you, when you are concerned with His ways, when you walk that way, when you live for Him, then you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. God desires for His people to walk in His ways, just like the Father desires for his son to walk in his. What father doesn't want their children to walk the way they taught them to walk? It's what we want. And in so doing, we bring glory to God, favor with God, and good success with others, because others look at us and go, why are you so different? Why does your marriage look different? Why don't you do sex this way? Why don't you do that? Why, don't, you know, why aren't you a bitter person? Why are you so like, who cares about what the Lord does? Or, you know what, I'm being wise with my money. Why don't you just do this? Because we are salt of the earth and it makes us distinct and we stand out. And the Bible says when you stand out, people look at you and they think something is different. And in that way you gain favor and you gain an opportunity. And you need to be ready to give them the reason you are distinct and different what good news we have. Number three, faithfulness belongs to those who know and trust the Lord. Faithfulness belongs to those who know and trust the Lord. Proverbs 5 and 6, this is the crux of this whole proverb. Uh, These two verses are the most famous verses in Proverbs 3. They're some of my very favorite verses in all of Scripture. Solomon writes this, trust in the Lord with all your heart. With all your heart. And do not... Lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Beautiful words. Here's the question What are you trusting in? What are you trusting in? Where do you put your trust? You may say, Well, I don't trust anyone, everyone's let me down. I, I, I'm old enough to know that you just don't trust anyone. My mom and dad were supposed to, I was supposed to trust them. I couldn't trust them. Trust anybody. I only trust myself. How many times have you disappointed yourself? How many times have you disappointed others? How many times have you disappointed the ones who love you the most? How many times have you disappointed? You know, some people live in this constant trap of disappointment. Disappointment. I only trust myself, but I continually disappoint myself. But I can't trust anyone but me, but I'm still going to disappoint me. That is not peace. That is prison. It's prison. I can't control. I'm going to control everything I can control. You can't control anything. It's prison. The Hebrew word translated trust means to throw oneself down on one's face. To lie face down on the ground like this fully, not on your own feet, not on your own ways to lie face down before the Lord. Oh God, I don't have anything. Oh God, I completely rely on you. Oh God, I completely am yours. Oh God, I have nothing to do, nothing to give. I fully trust. I've done my push-up for the day. He says, trust the Lord with all your, Heart. This means wholeheartedly, not half-hearted devotion, not half-hearted commitment, not half-hearted obedience. Some of y'all spent 2020 being half-heartedly devoted to Jesus. You want your spouse to be half-heartedly devoted to you? You want your friend to be half-hearted devoted to you? I, hey, listen, we're we're good as long as you don't bring the drama into the friendship. Hey, I can handle our marriage as long as you don't go crazy on me. Hey, listen, I'm good to go, but when you start slowing me down in my success, we're going to have issues. No, no, I am. Hey, listen, you got a lot of sin issues, and and I'm out of here if you keep that up. Wholehearted devotion. I love you no matter what. God says, I love you. We want all of our spouse, and all of our friendship, and God wants all of us, all of you. He wants you. Every issue, every sin, every anxiety, every bitterness, every ounce of unforgiveness, every issue, every moment that happened to you when you were a kid that you can't stand to look into, everything about you, he wants. If you give it to him, oh, the peace you will know. He says, do not lean on your own understanding. That word is rely. Don't rely on your own self, but on God. Could you imagine the son hearing this? Listen, dad, your ways are so outdated. Dad, you just don't know, but I'm, I'm different than you, dad. You just don't get my story. You don't know what's going on in my life. How am I supposed to submit to your ways and your plans? He says, reject your way of thinking, son, It's not enough just to agree with the Bible. You can't just agree with the Bible. We must obey it. It means when we're faced with biblical truth that hits us and shows our life to be something it's not, to show something in our life, to be living in disobedience to God's word, we don't just ignore it and look the other way and say God's okay with that. No, we go, we are living outside the bounds of what God wants and we must correct it, repent of it, get it right so we might live in careful obedience and submission to God's word. When we're faced with biblical truth, what the Bible says about marriage, about sex before marriage, it might be comfortable for you, but it's not biblical. Living together before you're married, it might be best for your finances, it might be most comfortable for your situation, but in love, you're living in sin. And it's outside the bounds of what God calls us to. What the Bible says about same-sex marriage. The Bible says about gender issues. What the Bible says about money and finances. Uh, I don't, you know, I I give to the church when I can. That's not what the Bible says to do. You can get down to verses uh, 9 and 10 here next week, and you're going to see what the Bible actually says. And you got to go, do I believe the Bible, or am I going to listen to my way? If this is comfortable for me, well, these are some serious issues. Do you believe God's word and what it says, and will you obey it, or will you just agree with it, not a little bit, and look the other way? One of those reveals which path you're actually on. And this is what the Father is saying, son, listen to me, son. In all your ways, acknowledge him. That word acknowledge means to know God, to know his ways, to know what he expects, to know he is there, to know he is watching, to know he is with you, to know that he loves you. And the reason he's laying these things out is because he wants all of you, not just part of you. He wants all of you. In all your ways, acknowledge his presence with you, walking with you, leading you, and he will make straight your paths. What a beautiful What a beautiful word. You want to have straight paths. You want to know you're walking in God's will and God's way. Simply trust in him with all that you are. Listen and love his word. Live by it. And you can rest assured that you are walking confidently in God's path. He'll make it straight. Notice the faith this takes. If you trust in the Lord with all your heart, he will make your path straight. But where am I going? I don't know. God knows though. Just walk with him. But what if he calls me? I don't know. Just walk with him and see what happens. But I mean, what if he puts someone in front of me that I don't know what to do? Who cares? Just walk with him and see what he does. It's faith. It's I trust you, God, with my life. I can't see what you're doing or where you're sending me, but I am committed and I am going no matter what. And these aren't prosperity. I want you to hear me here. The way in which we truly know God is through salvation, where God brings us back into fellowship with him. He puts his spirit in us and he leads us down these straight paths. And in this way, we can know that we will be faithful throughout our days. And now we might not see the e- earthly blessings. We may not see length of days and, and years of life. Well, What happens if I die at 45? Yeah, but if you're in Christ, you'll wake up eternity, eternity in eternity in heaven and you will see length of days and years of life, won't you? Well, what if I die at, at whatever, 55? Well, the favor of God and the su- su- success of others are with you because you wake up in eternity and you can rest assured that you walked God's path for your life. Because we know that death on earth is not the end. We awake in in eternity to come in heaven. Ultimately a city on earth. And we praise the Lord for these things. Listen, here's the thing I want to make sure I leave you with today. Your life this year, when I say your life, all of you, who you are, all of your stuff, all of your issues, all of your desires, all of whatever it is, whatever your struggles are, your anxiety, your lust, fill in the blank, these things will be no different than last year if you don't lay it all down in full reliance on Jesus. they will be no different. You'll just carry them on, keep waking up with the same stuff, with the same fears, the same issues, if you don't lay them down. You'll never have the peace God desires as long as you cling to your control and your issues and your desires and Your ways, and here's how you can change. 2021. Lay your life down in full reliance on Jesus, so that God might bring peace to your soul. Lay your whole life down. There are some brothers and sisters in here who you just talk to them, and you're you're like, "How do you have such ease in this season?" Well, because I know God, God rules my life. How do you not like worry about these things? God's in control peace. You meet a person who has peace and you're going, I want to be like that. You can be like that. Here's a a few quick ways on how you can immediately today begin to work towards a deeper, more faithful walk with God. First, identify the areas of your life that you're not letting God have. What areas you're not letting God have? Is it a story that's written in your past that you hate, you don't want to look into? Is it a bitterness? Is it an unforgiveness? Is it a a moment in your marriage that your spouse betrayed your trust and you just can't get over it? Let God redeem it. What area of your life are you not letting God have? Is it control? Because he allowed someone close to you to hurt you or to pass away or to do something else? Secondly, confess your sin in that. God, I, I own this. God, I own my sin right now. I own, I have control issues. God, I have anxiety issues. God, I I continue to look at things I shouldn't look at. God, I continue to drink these things. I, it's an addiction. I don't know what to do. I, I know it's going to take work. I know it's going to take help. Confess your sin in that. Third, lay it all down in faith. Lay it all down in faith. When I say lay it all down in faith, I mean you're going to lay it down before the Lord and you're going to agree by faith to do whatever he asks you to do next. That's important. You can't just lay it down and get up and walk away. you got to do whatever comes next. That might be confess it. Oh, gosh, I don't want to tell someone that. Hey, you want freedom? Confess it. You want to bring your sin out of the darkness, bring it into the light? Confess it. Confess it. Lay it all down in faith. Number four, trust the Lord to take care of it. God, I'm trusting you. This is yours. You're going to take care of this. Giving it to you. And then number five, commit to a daily walk with him. Commit to a daily walk with him. What what does that look like? That that looks like you might right now before the Lord confess it. You might do these things. Tomorrow morning, you're going to wake up and go, God, I know today I'm going to be tempted to be anxious. I'm going to be tempted to lust. And right now, I'm laying it down. I'm reminding myself who I am in Christ I'm walking faithfully today. You're reading his word. And then Tuesday morning, what are you going to do? You're going to get up and you're going to say, God, today I want to be tempted to pick it back up, but I'm not going to. You're going to lay it down. Every day, coming to the well that never runs dry, to drink from him, to remind yourself who you are in Christ. And to make, to walk straight paths with the Lord. Because remember, God gives eternal peace to those who fully trust Are you fully trusting the Lord today? Do you know the Lord today? If not, let's let today be the day that we leave it behind, give our lives to Christ, and we move forward in faith. Will you bow with me this morning? Question is simple. Where are you placing your trust Do you have the peace that God gives in Christ? If not, the, I would say simply surrender your life to Christ today. Give your life to Christ today. But across the room, there are issues, there are sin issues, there are deep issues, control issues, there are all sorts of issues. How is the Lord moving in your life? What do you need to surrender to him today? Right there from the comfort of your own seat, the privacy of your own heart, will you just confess that to him? He sees it all. He knows it. Don't hide it. Some of you may be living in sin. You know you're in sin. You need to make that right with the Lord. If you're living outside of the bounds of God's word and what it says about marriage and sex right now repent of those things commit to doing things God's way not your own way all across the room I know there are struggles going on in our marriages in our homes God sees it give it over to the Lord today commit to walk, to trust all your heart. God, right now, I pray for the Spirit's work among us. pray your stirring hearts to trust in you through salvation, through confession, through commitment. God, I pray that you would do the work here. You would save and you would help us as we move into this year lord give us freedom bring heart transformation through your word we're grateful for your love and your faithfulness to us in jesus name we pray amen